Hey, what's happening, everybody? You're listening to another episode of the Super Mercado Brothers Video Game Music Podcast. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Once again, this is a podcast where we share and discuss the very best in video game music. Uh, today is a bonus episode. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. Today's going to be another uh, discussion-based episode. So, mm-hmm. um, like we mentioned you know, a few weeks ago, these episodes are going to be shorter than our conventional Mark Howder Brothers episode, and we're not actually going to be playing and analyzing specific tracks the way we normally today, do. Yeah. yeah um, on this type of episode, we sort of have a topic of discussion, and Carl and I talk. are just going to talk about... Um, our opinion on this uh, it's funny because part of the inception of the podcast in general was um uh, carl and i we used to have really long uh phone conversations before we ever had this podcast longer we than just, we ever do now yeah we would just talk for hours about you know video game music or music or, or games, games. Or, or, or movies or anything and sometimes you know they'd get pretty in-depth and and we were like gosh you know these conversations seem interesting to mm-hmm. us i wonder if anybody else and when we had the idea for the podcast it's like this would be a good i think the it. podcast evolved out of that uh, in right. some ways it is just kind of discussions and conversations but it's a little bit more structured but what's That's nice the about thing. the idea of doing these bonus episodes uh if you remember last week we had a or two weeks ago we had a bonus episode and that was more of a typical format we played un squadron music um we want to kind of alternate for when we do bonus episodes, some of them being structured with music and some of them just being a conversation-based right. episode. We actually, we have even more um, exciting bonus episode uh, topics. And hopefully mm-hmm. you guys are enjoying um, this extra little bit of content. Um, but yeah, we it's have some cool It's not going to be things. every week, but yeah. it'll be whenever we can get around to it. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Cool stuff in store. Today's topic of discussion is sort of game music where are we now it's sort of a retrospective of where have we come mm-hmm. what are some of the current challenges what are some of the advantages of working as a composer today and what's really the main difference between working in the 80s and mm-hmm. 90s and then working in the early 2000s to where we are now let's say you're a composer yeah. in 2015 and one thing that's so interesting is i feel like in so many of the interviews that we've done on our podcast with composers that question has come up yeah um, and one of the things that i hear a lot of composers composers say is that uh it's a really exciting time now to be a composer and, and sure. to be a fan of video game music. It is more difficult. It's difficult to get into the industry. Everything's a little bit more fragmented. And um, it's more expensive mm-hmm. is, is the other reality. Uh, your competition so... gets higher tier. When you, when you have more money, mm-hmm. <laughs> the people are going to really expect more from the music and sort of the ideal standard of what a modern AAA big budget video game score sounds like yeah. is something that isn't quite as accessible to maybe the average musician as maybe it was for someone in the 80s and 90s. I I think the cool thing about that is uh, back then you got a lot of people who weren't necessarily, you know, serious composers. They were sort of technicians. They were part of this underground scene. I mean, someone like Matt Furness comes to mind. But you're right. Nowadays... But getting to use that as an outlet for so much creative expression. That's not even really an option nowadays if you're talking about um, working on big budget games or making a game that is supposed to compete with those big titles. Well, I mean, even I think if you're not in that realm, I think uh, the the only examples I can think that avoid the idea that you really are a composer if you're working on these games would be someone like the the, um, Andres Illiger or whatever Mm -hmm. who did the Tiny Wings um, yeah, and that brings song, up, where it's like the creator of the game is making the music themselves. Well, that brings up an interesting point: is that mobile games, this really this fairly new subgenre of video games, 
it's one of the things that is responsible for music as well as the style of game to kind of go back to an earlier age. These right. kind of retro experiences. When you Almost think about older than where we think of as the heart of game music. Well, when you think about soundtracks like Tiny Wings and you know um, Angry Birds and, and music for mobile experiences, it's so different than the modern traditions of you know, modern console video games. So I think one thing that's exciting about living in the age that we do now is that we get all these different camps versus different yeah. genres. But one thing that's kind of kind of tough is that I feel like the lines are really heavily etched in. And there's not, like, you're not going to hear that kind of music on a console as common. You're going to hear it on your iPhone when you're playing, you know, a game like that. Right. But then if you're playing, uh, you know, a big game that's released on your console, it's probably going to be orchestral. It's probably going to little be a little bit more ambient and subtle. Well, and it's funny, I think now, especially, um, a lot of developers have really woken up to see the, um, the huge marketplace for mobile games. And so there are actually a lot of, um, I, I guess I wouldn't call them triple A, but you know, big budget, big studios working on mobile yep. games and even games, like I think of the Angry Bird creator, um, Rovio, you know, they were this small European studio and then that game mm -hmm. blew up. And so then they got all this well, money from it. It also, you have to think about the difference in experience because a lot of these games that you play on your phone are designed to be played for like five minutes at a time. These really short micro experiences right. and they may only have two or three songs in the entire game, there's going to be a gameplay, like a BGM. There might be like a title screen, and that's pretty much it. You know, and, unless it's a game that's like ported from the PC right. or the console, which we're now we're seeing a lot too. Well, and the other thing, though, um, my point about how the worlds are sort of colliding is some games, like I know the one of the recent Candy Crush mm -hmm. Saga games. Uh, actually has an orchestral score that was recorded by the London Symphony Orchestra. That's crazy. So it, it's, it is kind of interesting. And th th I thought that was really cool when I found out about that. But at the same time, it was a little bit like, oh, no. You know, this mm -hmm. was the avenue for yeah. upstart composers to get experience, you know, getting their music heard by tons and tons of people around the world. Sure. And if now that stuff is getting sourced to composers that have the budgets for huge orchestras and, and things like that. It 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 may slowly begin to um, dissipate that uh, open ability for upstart composers. Well, I to think work another avenue um, that we need to talk about in the modern age of video game music that you're not going to hear orchestras, you're not going to hear as subtle of music, is for these retro throwbacks. Uh, you know, our Mighty Number no. Nines, our Shovel Knights, games that are purposely going back to a nostalgic era that mean a lot to gamers. And obviously the music needs to match that. You know, if you're talking right. about Shovel Knight is probably the biggest and most exciting example in recent years of having a modern soundtrack. And, and really that is, is is kind of this match made in heaven. It's combining old and news because it doesn't sound like anything you've ever heard in the 8-bit era. It's much much more um, kind of technically powerful and impressive, but musically, it, it feels like right at home in that well, era. You I, don't I think hear the, that the kind of music thing that, that much. Everyone at uh, Yacht Club Games was going for when they made uh, Shovel Knight was really to make it what your memory of playing NES games was like. Yeah. So it, it when you play it, it really does feel like an NES game. Though you know Jake is using that VRC six, so he's able to get more channels. And but, as far as the technical level, you have that more advanced scrolling that you couldn't do on the 
NES. Not only is he using the VRC6, but he's using it in ways that had never been used before. So we've heard it a couple times here and there, but the way that he was using that in Shovel Knight, it felt like it was a brand new chip. It felt like it was something was incredibly fresh and modern about it. Um, and I think that that is really uh, the way to do it, and it's something that I hope to see more of in the future. It's something that I I really am excited about that type of a game being made nowadays and being successful the fact that a shovel knight can be so successful and so many people can enjoy it i think is, is really awesome because you know if all we have are these assassin's creeds and these mass effects and these games that warrant a soundtrack like that which those soundtracks are perfectly suited for those games but if all we have are these kind of more subtle um slightly ambient soundtracks a little bit less melodic that is kind of sad for the state of video game music. That's why I'm so right. thankful for those changes of pace. Well, I, you know? I think another thing that I want to talk about and focus on a little bit is the fact that video games have changed and gotten more complicated and warranted more specific scores. If I think yeah. of... Uh, a game like Contra or I think of a game like Ninja Gaiden or you know old so school broad. classic games you have levels you have stage themes it can be very kind of simple rocking to the point music well, but when you think of how um, crazy interactive games are now all the different choice possibilities all the different facets that need to be faded in and out the music can't just be sort of pop it in and play I think that's a great point and, and it leads me to kind of think about video game music in a different way. I really do think that in almost every single era of video game music, obviously there's going to be bad examples here and there, but for the most part, I think uh, the games that are successful and the soundtracks that are successful are able to match music with the gameplay experience. And that's, that's still happening today. And, and really what I think it is is that Back then, the games weren't as detailed, so the music didn't need to be as descriptive or as emotionally specific. You know, Contra's a great example. That classic, you know, stage one theme, if the stage was in a jungle or a factory or an Iceland, would it really make a difference? I mean, the graphics are so kind of um, broad that you can't really even tell that much where you well, are. And whereas the, like, the sound chip is very broad Yeah, as well. exactly. Everything's broad. Whereas nowadays, when you're playing Assassin's Creed 4, and you're on a very specific part of the world with very specific art styles yeah, the music and architecture, the period yeah, the music needs everything. to reflect that. And so the music nowadays is so much more specific and honed right, in. Right, that's and, true. And again, that's another reason why it's the, the barriers of entry are so high, because it takes someone with a lot of knowledge of music and music history to be able to, to nail that, you know? It's not right. as easy as it used to I be. I also think aesthetically our games have gotten grittier, more intense, more mm -hmm. serious, more epic, you know, all these kind of things. Yeah. And I think maybe the one unfortunate thing about that is that it it forces the music to have to be more subtle, more in the background, mm -hmm. more, you know, less is more is sort Absolutely. of the thing. You can't have these big sweeping melodies. You can't have really fun pop rock kind of music. Also, I mean, one reason like you that. can't do that is the timing. You know, if you're, let's say you're exploring um, this city and the music needs to stay the same until you go into the sewer, for example. If you have a really poppy, catchy melody, that's going to be a specific time. It's going to be like a minute or a minute 30 and what if you enter the sewer in 40 seconds or two minutes you know what i'm saying and, and really minimalism very small ostinatos that are repeated that's the perfect kind of music because 
you can go into a new section almost at any point. You know, if, right. if you're if you're just rocking on this riff, for two minutes, which you'll hear a lot in modern video game music, mm-hmm. it's so easy. At any point, you can add in a string. Right. At any point, you can add in drums. Right. I think that's one of the cool things about modern video game music is that it can be very patchwork. Mm-hmm. You know, you can have little bits that work together. But I think one of the elephants in the room now when we talk about the staples of modern video game music is it really comes out of the staples in modern film music. And this mm-hmm. is something we've talked a lot about before, but it just sort of is the contemporary trend that having very apparent tuneful melodies is just not in right now. Mm-hmm. I think that's just sort of the era we live in. I think filmmakers, game makers, everyone's very concerned with sort of subtlety and more of the... um primordial human emotion. So yeah. it, dealing a lot with rhythmic stuff and percussion and extreme ends of the musical range. So you'll have Dynamics. a lot of, you know, really low I- instruments. You'll be dealing with a lot of like low brass and you'll be d- dealing with, you know, a lot of high strings, but mm-hmm. thinking of it in, like you said, sort of a more minimal way. I Absolutely. think that's just sort of the current trend. I think you're very right about that. And, and really, in a lot of ways, um, there's some incredibly sophisticated and inventive things going on nowadays in film and in games that we've never heard before. And I think it's really exciting, but I do think that their focus, for the most part, is on the sound and is not right. as much on melody. Because um, when you think about those techniques you're talking about, that takes a lot of thought and care to be able to orchestrate that in such a way where, okay, at this point, right. I want to have the low brass and the low strings, and this other point, I want to have all the violins and flutes playing playing together. And so I think it really does... You almost have to pick what is your priority. You can't really do yeah. everything at well, once. Well, I think the other thing is that a lot of modern music is is made with our technology, our capabilities in mind. Um, my favorite score from this past year was for the movie Interstellar mm-hmm. um, by Hans Zimmer. I think it's one of the best film scores I've ever heard, in my opinion. But it's completely not... Before I saw the movie, it's like <laughs> the antithesis of everything I conventionally like in mm-hmm. um, film music because it's not exceptionally melodic. It's not really tuneful, but it, it has such innovative uses of the orchestra and non-orchestral instruments. And also, it's just so satisfying and so married yeah. to so, the picture. And that's a great example. And that it's worth saying that just because... Um, the focus nowadays is a lot less on melody and is more on sound and how can you evoke emotions and how can you evoke some of those primordial feelings with specific sets of sounds and I think that that can be incredibly effective and Interstellar is a great example right. and there's so many good well, game and examples sounds, of that. sounds just kind of harmonic things I mean Hans in that score is able to communicate so much just with the chord textures and the different instruments and some of the production effects i mean so in general will if we were able to have um almost like a versus where the different camps or the different focuses okay if melody is on one side what's what are the sides going to be okay melody um tune immediacy catchiness what are some other other things that would be in that side of composition things that we would hear in the old school video game days, things that we heard in the film music of the 80s and 90s, what would be on that side? You mean examples from games, examples from films? Yeah, for example, if you're talking about 
um, Empire Strikes Back or if you're talking about Super Mario Brothers, the old school right. style of composing where it's more about well, um, melodies. Well, I think what's, what's interesting is in both film TV and video games, you have a lot of composers who have been, who have worked long enough that they've worked in sort of right. both styles. But if we're talking about the heyday of both film and game music, what do you think are some of the other words or things to express what is in that style? Because we're talking a lot about the modern style with um, different sounds, different harmonics, having focus that's less on melody. Well, I think it's it's very much about, in films, it's very much about themes. It's thematic writing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's that idea of leitmotif that goes back to Wagner. The idea that every character gets its own sort of specific theme that can be woven throughout the symphonic score and so Mm -hmm. in addition to just having you know good melodies melodies are specifically attached to characters to places to ideas because of that that means that there's going to be a minimum of what eight melodies in the movie at least sometimes more and how many times do we go to a film nowadays and there might not be any memorable melodies maybe one maybe there's a main melody probably maybe two but I think because that is such a specific um, way to approach scoring a movie, if you have to make eight or nine melodies, how, depending on how many different characters there are, um, there's, the, there's a better chance of leaving that movie with a melody in your head, with something that you can remember. Right. I, I, I do think it's fair to say that that has never really been the um, intent of most uh, composers that score for media. I, I think that's sort of looked at what I've heard, even composers like John Williams, mm-hmm. is that that's sort of a bonus. If people like the music right. outside of the film, that's nice. But the Absolutely. important thing is to score the film. And I do think for the type of pictures we're making now, for the type of games we're making now, uh, I kind of have come around to the fact that a very broad sweeping score would be inappropriate. I do mm-hmm. think that they don't have to be mutually exclusive. What I do think is a trend is the sort of anti-melody thing. Because uh, oh, yeah. I think of a, a movie like um, Jurassic World, which I wasn't the biggest fan of, but it has a really good um, Michael Giacchino score. And what I like about Michael, he's a composer who's sort of an ambassador of the traditions of old school film music. But in the Jurassic World score, it very much feels modern and contemporary, but it still has a melody. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it uses some of the John Williams music, but when I'm thinking of that main theme, it's a very sort of basic melody. It's very much, you know, quarter notes, half notes, whole notes, very sustained stuff. But it's still something that's sort of memorable that can sort of get in your head. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes where I take issue with the approach is when there's really nothing memorable about the music at all. Because ostinatos can be memorable. Chord progressions can be memorable. Mm -hmm. But if if there's nothing about it that I take with me musically, I actually do think it does a disservice to the art. I mean, one of my favorite games of all time is The Last of Us. And that has an incredibly minimal score. Very subtle. but it's so beautiful. I mean, the textures well, are so actually, great. And it does have a really good melody. It has a good melody, but there's a lot of moments in the game when there is no music. And that's right. almost the most powerful use of music is sometimes when it's not used mm-hmm. and where it's chosen to be not used at all. And then when it slowly comes in, just at the at, you know at an emotional climax, even right. just with the subtle acoustic guitar, it can really be powerful. The Last of Us is a great example of less is more. Sometimes that's exactly what you need. Honestly, if The Last of Us had 
like a sweeping orchestral theme, it would completely take you out of the experience. Well, I mean, I, I, I can't imagine a world where any composer would choose to do something like that. I mean, I, I, I do think... Or even if it was piano or honestly, anything else. I don't know what it is about that, th- those guitars that were used, but there's something so simple and kind of humble about it that really matches the sense of desperation that well, game I, has. I think the thing that Gustavo, you know, he's a very interesting composer. He works where he writes all the music without ever seeing mm-hmm. one image, without seeing any of the picture, because he's a film composer too, but he likes to read scripts and make the music based off of that, and mm-hmm. then there are actual, you know, the editors and the filmmakers, and in this case, you know, people like Neil Druckmann, and um, they, they sort of fit the piece Yep. is to the points in the game that seemed the most emotionally fulfilling. So that's sort of an interesting style. I, I mean, I think um, I'm kind of excited to see where trends go. Uh, mm-hmm. But something that I do hope, and I, I think there is a big demand for it, seeing sort of how segmented the game industry is musically, that you can have... Um, extreme cases of games like Shovel Knight that are just completely trying to take you back to the past. Yeah. And then the the stark difference between that and the modern examples, I, I, I think there will be some sort of cross-pollination and sort of a reintroduction to a little bit more fun in mm-hmm. game music, a little bit more, hopefully, fun in video games. Well, like, I think, honestly, we talked about this earlier, is some of it has to do with the types of games that are being released. And when we get more just fun, simple games that are released, the music's going to reflect that. I mean, right. there's a reason why Nintendo soundtracks have almost always consistently been fun and optimistic. And melodic, Because right. of those games need that kind of music. Right. I, I think that the thing that's difficult is even amongst uh, studios and developers and game composers that continue to pursue you know fun rocking melodic music um a lot of that quality has seemed to not either drop but it's just gotten a little bit less consistent i think of nintendo you know if i if i look at nintendo in the 90s you know there's so much consistency every soundtrack is amazing yeah but now it's kind of like I never know what to expect. That's true. I, I think there's definitely um, some pros and cons of where we stand uh, in 2015. And you could even talk about just Nintendo. But I think overall, I would say one of the pros, especially in the last two years, I would say, has been production, has been the quality of the sounds that we're hearing in the game. Uh, If you're just talking about Nintendo, it's going to be talking about using real instruments, recording it uh, in a really high budget, in a really um, professional way, which has been so different from the entire entire GameCube era. And and, and that wasn't unheard of. I mean, you would hear that kind of MIDI stuff on the PS2 as well, but you did have more uses of orchestral, more uses of real instruments. I think part of that was the GameCube itself, uh, using those mini discs. But in in general... um, in almost every big game that you're going to hear nowadays, you're really you can't really have crappy sounds anymore. I mean, right. if a game is coming out nowadays and it's going to be a big uh, successful game, it's going to sound really good. So I think th- the strengths that we have nowadays is that 
level of standards for production are incredibly high, higher than they've ever been. So soundtracks are sounding technically well, better than ever. And it's not even just soundtracks. It's mm-hmm. every every yes, genre but, of music. But we're talking, this podcast is about music. So musically, that is definitely one of the biggest strengths we have in 2015 is technically our standards are so high. And an interesting example I'm thinking of, uh, you know, recently there's been some of these Etrian Odyssey kind of remakes on the 3DS. And there's one that just came out a few days ago called Etrian Odyssey 2 Untold. Uh, the Fafner Night, and basically it's a remake of Etrius, Etrian Odyssey 2, but the soundtrack features all new orchestral recordings, real right. orchestral recordings of that music. Um, that's something that never would have been done five, six years ago, and you know the fact that this is on the 3DS, and we're getting all of these orchestral soundtracks on a handheld, it still boggles my mind that that has become, honestly, that's become kind of the norm for 3DS music nowadays. Right, well, I, I think the last thing that I really want to talk about is when we get back to sort of the heyday of games and game music, the really fun 80s and 90s whole period, 8 and 16-bit eras, I guess you would say, you know, most of that music wasn't really orchestrally influenced or film music influenced. And I mean, even though there were a lot of great melodies, I think if we're just looking at the genre, Mm -hmm. it has more to do with jazz fusion, pop music, rock, you know, there was sort of this kind of fun, carefree, um, that's very important, accessible to kids, teenagers kind of attitude. It wasn't so sophisticated. And talk about those genres. Those are genres that weren't, lots of melodies and lots of catchy melodies. If you're talking about um, jazz fusion, you're going to hear a lot of really exciting melodies that are probably doubled with with multiple instruments. Particularly with the limited um, channels. You Mm -hmm. know, I mean, this is something we've talked about a lot, that the limitations are um, a necessity for creativity. Mm -hmm. But I really do think in that case, it's really true. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that, and that idea of what are the different genres that um, are the influence for these composers is a very important point to make. And I think some of the things we've heard recently um, that are a change of pace are because these composers are going for different genres. Like, for example, um, I think Shovel Knight is an interesting example because in some ways when you listen to that soundtrack, you do hear a little bit of like film music elements because it's right. like very rousing and, and uplifting. But in general, I would say rock and classical are kind of what Shovel Knight is all about and in general what a lot of 8-bit music is all about and when you think about those two genres of music rock music classical music melody plays such an important role and so I think that is that is definitely an important point to make is the genre that these composers are going for really will dictate and will inform uh, the use of melody if there is going to be a strong use of melody or not you know right Something that I think is interesting is a lot of films, a lot of video games, particularly games, because most games are action games, right? Um, mm-hmm. uh, particularly if we're looking at, you know, big budget AAA games. Um, it's, it's about doing something. It's about sort of excitement and action. There's not a lot of just simply dialogue-based games where yeah. it's just, you know, two guys in an office. You know, if there are dialogue components, it's something like Mass Effect where you're still in space and you're yeah. still shooting people. But um, I do think we get a lot of kind of medieval type of games and medieval sounds you know whether it's something like skyrim or what have you really the more action you have an experience a lot of times the less melodies you're going to hear because if you're if you're trying to match a scene of action in conflict really are you even going to want that much melody you're going to want a lot of driving rhythms you're not really going to want that much melody take for example a game such as 
Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag by really the action composer, Brian Tyler. It feels like all he does nowadays are these big action movies. So he's perfectly suited to compose this game, did a wonderful job with the soundtrack. But if you take a game like that, how many opportunities in that game are there going to be for really powerful melodies? There are a few here and there, but really there's not a lot of opportunities in that game to have a really kind of powerful melody. Right. I think one thing I would like to see explored more with games is I think games are actually more perfect than films for the concept of leitmotif, particularly if you have a short little melody. You know, if you attach... Games don't really do this a lot. Games don't really attach... Unless you're thinking like JRPGs, I think, mm-hmm. tend to do this, where you attach themes to characters. Absolutely. But for the most part, games... Music is attached to action or location or set piece. Nowadays, or sort of events. Um, and really even always, you know, you have stage themes. But I, I, what I'd like to see is the concept of leitmotif used more in video games where you have specific themes attached to characters and I think you could use sort of our modern ingenuity the modern senses of um, implementation to have it you know these don't have to be very elaborate themes but even just a few notes so you know let's say there's an action scene or something and you have this repeated drum loop and string ostinato and everything and you're riding on a horse and then you see you know your your partner ride up and then a new melody gets introduced and it's their motif that follows that character like i would like to see there there's ways of using what we're trying to do now with sort of the the tradition of thematic writing that Mm -hmm. I think there's avenues to explore. The other thing that I'm kind of curious about, video games are still a very new medium, and we clearly already seem to have some amount of reverence and respect for its traditions, its past, Um, but there's not really a direct lineage the way that I think there is in um, films. Uh, There's not as much of a tradition because the 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 fact that the technology is so crucial Mm. um to how game music has sounded from the beginning yeah there can't really be this uh direct line you know that's why you listen to um modern game soundtracks oftentimes it's people who never worked back in the 8-bit era and I imagine a lot of people that never played video games yeah. that don't really care about. Well, I, I think music. Um, you know there are some of these like very specific examples where, where we do hear those those use of themes in modern games. You know, for example, Broken Age was a good example where Peter McConnell, in kind of a novel way, that's true, used these themes. But that was a really big deal. I know for you, well, and that, that was you an adventure that. game. You know, that's what's, yeah. that's what I love about that genre so much is it, it feels a little bit more like a film when you're playing it because you don't have as much you know control as far as the gameplay but it allows the score to feel so more well, like a movie as when well. we're talking about those two different approaches to scoring one being um primarily character based about these themes and fitting the music to specific characters versus fitting it to situations and environments both of those feel in in a way that they would be perfect for games it's hard to say which one would make more sense for a video game it really depends on the game but right. I don't know. It's it's in some well, ways it's hard to say. I really what would think be better. games the the tradition has always been location. That's really the biggest character because other than you, 
in most games, traditionally, most yeah. other characters are like, there to die. Sonic the Hedgehog, like, really, are you going to have a theme for Sonic and a theme for Tails? Yeah, like, I mean, I think, really I think you probably characters? could have one for Sonic. You could probably have a short little jingle for Tails. But I think what I more mean is that in, you know, <laughs> classic, most video games, a lot of the characters are there just for you to shoot, just to kill, yeah. just as enemies, obstacles in your path. And so that's why I really think most thematic game music, even, you know, back on the 8 and 16-bit days, I would say it's thematic, e- even though it's not the same way that a that a film score is thematic. It's still, you know, each level theme has its own well, it's, melody. It's interesting to think that now that we have that we have these more fleshed out stories with deeper characters, there really is more room nowadays for like motif and even if it's you're not doing it for the entire game but to have at least two or three very kind of strong powerful melodies that will resonate with the player right. i think there's definitely a lot well, of room for that we, we do get that i i think just what i'm noticing and this is in films too is that um in, instead of uh, you know you think of like the score for hook john mm-hmm. williams score the most themes i think he's ever done yeah. in a film it's it's so full of themes mm-hmm. you know almost every character gets a theme there's there's so many themes that are just used maybe once or twice that are incredible yeah. it's just very dense um and one of the best film scores in my but opinion but really in some ways when you're when you're just watching that movie and maybe if you're not super conscious about composers or music and you're just enjoying the experience it still matches the movie in a way that it's not going to take you out of it like i think for a lot of people watching hook they're not going to be like oh that's a character theme oh that's a character theme. no they're no, just of seeing course. when they're seeing a goofy fat character and there's like a tuba and like a goofy melody it's fitting the movie it's fitting the scene so in some ways um it's really still all about fitting the scene and fitting the emotional tone of the movie well, I, I always I, I think that's the the number one goal. I actually think the the purpose of leitmotif and themes is sort of a little bit about reinforcement. Mm-hmm. And really, we do respond emotionally to music. And in order to create an emotional response, it's really hard to just do with chords. You know, I mean, melodies create i think a greater emotional response than anything Mm -hmm. and so i think that's the reason why it exists so much in film music and it's great i mean honestly i think if you ask the average person who likes film music or even just likes movies the the themes the scores that they remember are the tuneful ones right you know and i I will say that's that's not really also the case for video game music as well yeah um and and i will say that overall the state of video game music 2015 is is very strong i'm thankful that we have so much diversity and we have composers um, like Jason Graves all the way to Jake Kaufman. We have so many different composers that that really um, enjoy different genres of music. When I think about Jake Kaufman, he's a type of composer who enjoys different styles of music than right. someone like Jason Graves. I think the one thing is that everyone seems to be living in their own world, so to speak. I think there's sort of a facet of video games that is getting very sort of intellectual and thoughtful mm-hmm. and I as much as I think that's great and really needed to sort of advance the medium I, I think there's like a little bit of sort of ignoring the like the Nintendo tradition yes. so to say so what I would like to see is a little bit more cross-pollination and sort mm-hmm. of establishing more sort of one universal philosophy. The way I kind of look at film music, I mean, it, it is a trend. Whether I like it or not, well, yeah, and, there and, is a there is sort of a one uniform style. Absolutely. And, and really, when you think about it, even though we do hear a lot of similarities between film music and game music, um, 
there should be a, a difference in style for games versus movies. It's a different type of experience. It elicits different emotions when you're playing it. So in some ways, I would like to see a little bit more separation and a little bit more identity um, as far as what is game music and how is it different than film music. I would right. like to see that a little more separated in the future. Yeah, I, I think I'm also curious to see where just musical trends go. Like, I, right. I would love us to get past this sort of uh, era of, oh, no, melodies are a thing of the past. You know, that, that's too, we don't want anyone to notice the music. It needs yeah. to be so subtle and primordial, which I... I, I would just like to take everything we've learned from mm -hmm. this whole experiment from, you know, like the Hans Zimmer style and kind of take it and say, okay, what have we learned from this? How can mm -hmm. we reintroduce the things that are universal about music? Awesome. Well, guys, we had a really good time talking about this topic too. Hopefully you guys enjoyed. Hopefully it wasn't too boring for you guys. Uh, again, these bonus episodes are really fun for us to kind of give you content in a different way. Um, if you're really enjoying the podcast and you're kind of itching for more content later on in the week, hopefully you'll enjoy these. Uh, like we said, we, we try to switch it up. So next time we do a bonus episode, it's going to be more of a typical format where we're going to play music um, and, and talk about the tracks. Yeah, I'm really excited about that. Uh, some cool ideas um, for the future. Yeah, so. next week our, our main episode is going to be Mario Kart 8, so we're going to be spotlighting on that wonderful new Nintendo soundtrack, which again, we're talking about our standards of production. Sounds absolutely amazing. Right. Um, better than really any Nintendo um, big band soundtrack you've ever heard. I mean, I'm so glad because it, it wasn't that long ago that we were talking about how terrible Mario Kart music yep. has gotten. That really is only like the first two or three games that had decent music and then from there it just completely went off the rails but Mario Kart 8 was it's a probably fantastic the, it's probably soundtrack. the third best Mario Kart soundtrack yeah it's really good so we're excited guys uh, we hope you have a good weekend my name is Carl Brueggemann I'm his brother Will Brueggemann uh, once again you guys can follow us on all the lovely social media things our Twitter handle is at um, Marcado Bros and uh, you can you know listen to every single episode of this podcast at supermarcadobros.com and there you can also find all of our original music uh feel free to uh write us a review or rate us on itunes because that does help people to yeah, in general, uh, find thanks, out about this podcast yeah thanks guys for all the nice reviews and ratings and all the great emails thanks everybody for just reaching out and for um being so nice and, yeah. and we just really love the interaction we have particularly recently we've been getting so much sort of positive outreach from from you guys yeah and so that, thanks that for really all that. keeps us going so thank you once again have a great week everybody peace out Thank you.